0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Believe in Chelsea. This is episode 11 between the two podcasts. We're already up to double figures. Wow, that seems like quite a shock. The season really is flying by at this moment in time. We've got another two games to cover as Chelsea get closer and closer to their destinies in the Champions League group stage and also closer and closer to their Premier League destiny before the break for the World Cup. Today, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by probably one of my closest friends in the digital sphere, uh, even though we've only met properly a couple of times. It, you know, one of the people I have absolute utmost trust and faith in, one of the best, I think, digital minds that I know. Someone I'm genuinely honoured to be able to call a friend and somebody's helped me so, so much. Uh, and it is, again, a fantastic writer and content creator of his own right. It's my friend Jay. Jay, how are you today?
1: uh overly flattered by such an introduction my friend you know i think the exact same of you too so yeah i'm really happy to be here it's really nice um as we spoke about off air there'll be beef if i don't get more points on the quiz than adam newson because adam and i for listeners that don't know are also very good friends there's a nice little circle of us um so i'll be fuming if i get lower than him which i also expect to but other than that i'm very well and very grateful to to be on here bro
0: cool marvelous well before we all get very started, I think it's worth saying that it's been quite a good week, all things considered, for Chelsea Football Club. Uh, again, obviously two wins um, in two different competitions, two, I think, convincing wins. It's nice to be talking about positive stuff for once, isn't it? it it's remarkably nice. It's just, do you know
1: what, it's, it's not even that it's good, it's that it's consistent. It just feels there's a, there's a level of confidence that means I can go into games now thinking that we might get a result. And that's really nice. Just having that alone is quite nice.
0: No, definitely. I agree. So I think we better dive straight in, obviously, and look at the first game. I think it was the game against Wolves on Saturday. And Chelsea made a lot of changes um, before the Wolves game. A lot of changes from the game against Milan midweek last week. Were you surprised? I
1: was. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought... um... Personally, I think it's more important for Chelsea this season to to concentrate on finishing in top four in the Premier League than than in the Champions League or, or doing too well in the Champions League. I think fans would forgive that more. So um, that's not to say that it wasn't a strong lineup. It's just obviously not the strongest that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it, I think, as well, is is just Potter experimenting with other players and seeing who can who can run to speed and who can't. And and let's not forget as well that you have players like Christian Pulisic starting, who's what, a £55 million pound player. He's not exactly a B team player anywhere else. He just yeah. happens to be that at Chelsea right now. So in the grand scheme of things, I'm sure Wolves didn't think it was overly weak man to man, but um, it was weaker than we expected. I was surprised, but I also like the fact in the same sort of breath that I think it's the least important. I like the fact that Potter's going to give it a go in the Champions League. As far as I'm aware, it's his first proper time in there I don't know if he was ever there before that
0: no no no. that was his first Champions League game was against Salzburg
1: yeah right so I think that's something that he's going to relish Um, and seeing confidence from a manager in the Champions League being you know so early on his Champions League career says to me that he has somewhere a belief and confidence in himself that he can get results in this competition and that is so important for this Chelsea projects because if the manager believes that he can get results in the Champions League so early on, that means that long term that's part of the vision and the plan, which it should be for a club this big. So I was surprised with the change, but ultimately I think it's a positive thing. I think it's better for the club dynamic and the way in which people want minutes and compete. I think it's healthy to have games like that. Uh, And it highlights the fact that we can play Wolves, who, whilst not being ideal this season, Still, a very solid team and should be doing much better. The fact that we can sort of roll them over quite comfortably is, uh, without the strongest lineup is is very nice,
0: yeah. No, definitely. And obviously, I think you know, it's fair to say from minute one, Chelsea were really in control, um, had a lot of chances before we actually took the lead, including uh, some I think particularly frustrating ones. Obviously, Gallagher going just wide, Pulis rounding the goalkeeper and putting it, you know, inexplicably passing it. The curling effort that was very well saved by um, as they saw in the Wolves' goal. Do you think if Chelsea hadn't got the breakthrough right before half time, there would have been a lot of nerves around Stafford Bridge?
1: Um, do you know what? Honestly, not. I when it, I was thinking about it going in at half time, I was thinking how close it was to being a, a nil-nil going in. Um, and I, I just felt as though Potter would have kept it going. Kept the team, as it were, for the second half. And I think a result, well, certainly a breakthrough would have come. I think we just looked inevitable, really. Um, it highlights, again, that we have slight finishing issues up front. Yeah. Um, for Gallagher, I think it's slightly different. His his shot, you know, the one that slightly dragged past the left-hand post because he was off balance, I thought that that's fine. Those mistakes happen. It's close, but he'll work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Gallagher, I thought, was impressive. Um, yeah. On that note.
0: But obviously, oh, I mean, right before halftime, we did obviously get the goal. Um, yeah. And again, yeah. it also marked, I think, a welcome, A, firstly, a welcome goal for Kai Havertz. Uh, yeah. His first one since Graham Potter has took over as stress manager. And also a open play assist from Mason Mount, which, you know, according to Twitter, don't ever happen. So if anyone was there on the day, please do treasure it. You know, that's a that's a moment akin to John over Mikel scoring a goal. They never, they never happen in games. <laughs> or
1: Loftus-Cheek scoring I heard, I read I was listening to a podcast Potentially I read something I think he scored
0: two goals In his last 100 games Someone uh, That, to that sounds possible I mean I, I can proudly say I saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek's Last goal for Chelsea Against Track Frankfurt <laughs> In the Europa League But then again yeah. When you go back How long that was It kind of you know It speaks volumes
1: <laughs> It's a long time bro But he's been playing well too We, we mm. might touch him later I guess
0: Yeah, d- yeah d- definitely I think you know I think it's worth saying That I think Loftus Cheek was really impressive in the game and obviously Havertz gets 1-0 up right after halftime Wolves have a little rally but then Chelsea got the other end and this was what really pleased me was we had that one chance to kill a game off and we actually killed it off and you know so stunningly Mason Mount had a second open play goal you know assist in the the game obviously I'm sure that people will tell you that that probably was photoshopped but came through and there's Pulisic and yeah really nicely tucked away finish I think you know you've got to say, a finish of quality, which mm. at times has maybe been lacking from Pulisic's game in a Chelsea shirt?
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you know what? It's, I always come back to this. It was the the second day I made my Twitter account. For some reason, I ended up on Alex Goldberg's podcast. I didn't know him before that. And I went on with Dammy. And my sort of hot take was that I thought Pulisic would, well, has a higher ceiling than Hudson-Odoi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the waters have now been muddied on that because... I think Callum's been very impressive at Leverkusen, albeit in a weaker league, um, and Leverkusen have been really strange this season, although a bit better now than Alonso. Um, for Pulisic, I've always thought he's he's actually a strong finisher, but sometimes he really isn't. However, I, I think there's such a, a wonderful footballer in there, and I just don't want him to get dragged too much into the Chelsea culture wars because they're, they're so tedious, when actually he's just a, a young player frustrated and not getting minutes, but you should be frustrated as a young player who's very good and not getting minutes. That's completely fine. Do you know what I mean? There doesn't need to be some sort of war around him. He's a player that I think quite a few predicted might flourish or certainly get given a, a chance under Potter. Um, I think Graham Potter will really like him. We'll see him as a useful asset and a really valuable player uh, because he can be that. For him, as always, it's just about staying fit Yeah, because he's made of paper mache And when you're made of paper mache, you don't tend to last too long and he gets injured consistently to the point where we have had discussions, even the two of us uh, on socials and in person about the future of Pulisic as a Chelsea player, because his injury record is absolutely horrific. If he can stay fit, he's a wonderful player and will contribute meaningfully. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, no, no, no
0: one I think no, no one, I think, doubts the quality of the player. Yeah. And I think that's the same with Loftus-Cheek, to be honest. I think no one doubts the quality yeah. that RLC brings. It's just, you know, the injuries. And also, I think the consistency in performances. That That's the thing that's really pleased me recently, is we're starting to see, again, maybe playing his best role. Maybe it's just, you know, maturity. Maybe it's any combination of factors. But we're now starting to see him, you know, it's no longer a case he plays... You know, a nine out of ten one week, and then you know, five out of ten. It's sort of consistently. He's now started to put together seven out of ten performances. I think.
1: Yeah, he's been. He's been. It's been. It's been nice. But we've again. I feel like I've banged this drum forever. Where with academy players, even you know, including Ruben, who is obviously an academy player, but he's not one that I. I think you think of when you think of Chelsea academy players now. You sort of think of that Reese James Mason Mount Chalobah bundle. <laughs> um, they they should be squad players that when given the chance and if they take that chance can then make it into the team and deserve to be there until someone outplays them I don't like I've never liked the sort of I always call them Zappacosta signings which is harsh on on Zappacosta specifically um but Chelsea have such quality youth talent that, that that youth talent should be funneled into the team via you know a peripheral route and then you get your chance and you get another one and you have a manager that believes in that process too uh, and if everything sort of falls in step, they can become really important. And you look at Potter, and I think he has a keen eye on the academy. Uh, he sees and understands that Loftus-Cheek's role at Chelsea is actually a lot bigger than it is simply on the on the pitch. He's a, uh, to have a player that was so influential to Mount and Reese and, and Trevor and everyone else, to be the first one to cross that bridge and for him to still be in this team and to now be playing really quite well, um, it's, it's wonderful to see and, and more power to him because, you know, if he's playing excellently, then play him and that yeah. only benefits the team. He loves being at Chelsea. He gets paid by love to, <laughs> to love being at Chelsea too. Um, and I think it's it's really nice to see him in a position where, and in a team where he understands the tempo and is given a bit of license. And that's mm. that's really nice. And again, uh, hopefully he stays fit.
0: And um, talking about other players that love Chelsea and again, you know, I can attest to this person love Chelsea, um, the man who I've christened, you know, multiple things now, the home counties, Harland, the Britwell-Battastuta, the Slough-Shevchenko. Um, it was great. I-, I was absolutely delighted to see Armando Roja get off the mark because mm-hmm. it meant it meant so much to him. I think the VAR check and the nature of the VAR check, obviously, did spoil the situation somewhat, but it was so great to see, I think, him get a goal for a, the club he you know has been at such a long time, reward for his loan spell, the club he genuinely does love. And also it was quite fitting, I think, on the day that we saw you know, Diego Costa effectively have his testimonial. He didn't really do a lot besides, you know, his most active point was strolling around the pitch. I think that was the most movement we saw from him. But to see the reception he got there, then to see you score a very Diego Costa-esque goal, I really, yes. really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was, he was great. I, I said before the game, he should have started. Uh, and despite Havertz scoring, I still think he should have started. But it's, it's nice for him to come on, obviously against tired legs and against an already beaten team, but the finish was exquisite. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that I've always... Uh, and Chelsea fans have actually gone to me about this before, but I don't know why. It's it's part of the reason why I love Harry Kane is I, don't, I haven't seen many players be able to sort of strike the ball in such a firm, direct and confident way every time. And Breuer seems to have... a a very, very commanding strike of the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not to say he's obviously at Harry Kane's level, but having that ability to hit the ball with such pace and such accuracy at once whilst moving in between defenders, whilst also being in the box, combine that with his physical presence, desire to be within the team and seemingly the management trusting that he's a, he's a good enough player to warrant a chance. You've got the makings there of a really, really quality player and actually you know, we could talk about Tammy Abraham, but the, the the sort of old conversations at this point. Chelsea really need that uh, attacking presence from the academy, I think, because that seems to be the place now of of least representation. Because you know, we know Chelsea have quality defenders and midfielders all the time, but how many quality forwards really get that chance from within the academy? It's just mm-hmm. been Tammy Solanke, Unfortunately, didn't work there, and he's done bits elsewhere. But I think Broya seems to look exactly like a Chelsea striker. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Which I know sounds weird, but I think the optics are so good. He looks sort of ferocious and quite scary, and and mean. And I think those things are really vital for a Chelsea striker to succeed. Does yeah, that make he's, sense? He's
0: grown. He's grown up in Slough. I can tell you for a fact he won't be scared. Yeah. Anything. Um, I, I can say that, living you know down the road from the area. But on the topic of Chelsea youth players. I think it moves us <laughs> lovely onto the AC Milan match because Chelsea obviously came against poor Fikayo Tomori and I mean this in the absolute you know, nicest way possible but Tomori has now faced Chelsea in three matches this career he has scored an own goal in a 3-2 loss he has lost 3-0 including a game where he really should have cut across to make it 2-0 and in this game he was sent off very early on and conceded the penalty right so yes or no was it was it a penalty
1: just uh, yes yes penalty no red card
0: no red card okay why no red card you have 30 seconds before i tell you why you're wrong
1: okay that's fine I'm, firstly i'm fairly fine to concede to it i'm, I'm not going to die on the hill but um i don't think it's a red card because i think Mount's going to miss anyway although that is obviously subjective mount's unwillingness to go down is testament to his attacking sort of instincts and desire to score goals very much like Tom- thomas miller he does that a lot um i think it's a foul it's definitely a penalty because he's pulling him back but I don't think, I actually don't think the chance is that clear cut because Mount strikes it still up, albeit falling, and it goes straight into the keeper. Obviously, he could have scored, um, but he didn't. Uh, and for me, because the fact that that was allowed to play out, which it would that's on time. anyway, I think that's the reason. <laughs> no, Sorry, I,
0: so. I, I can see that argument. But as I said no. to a couple of other people, if earlier in the move, earlier when he right just moves into the box, Tamori's got the firmer tug on him if he goes down there no one would argue if he goes down right at that point right on the line when Tamori's got a full fistful of his shirt no one would argue that that's the foul and the letter of the law states that again as a, 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 I spoke to the referee Chloe uh, Smart on a uh, great Twitter account I spoke to her and she said you know that he'd have been better off just flying in for a slide tackle and not getting yeah. you know not winning the ball than he would be back because at least with the slide tackle you've a got the chance of it and B you have the double jeopardy rule. Once you pull someone back, you don't have the double jeopardy. But obviously it happened. Uh, Jorginho steps up. I don't think many of us expected him to miss. He didn't miss. 1-0. Chelsea sort of then, besides one effort from Giroud, we were sort of really in control of the game, I think. And to be honest, I think it was a matter of when, not if the second goal was going to come. Again, it arose another Mason Mount open play assist. Again, I'm, I'm sure you know, People were frantically trying to discredit it, and you know, say it came off a yeah. defender on Twitter. But comes through, and there's Aubameyang putting it away. I don't think we've actually spoke about Pierre or Aubameyang yet since he joined Chelsea. So, your thoughts no. on Aubameyang so far?
1: I like Aubameyang a lot, so I'm pretty pretty strong on the the idea that Aubameyang is a good thing for Chelsea right now. Um, he seems he, I think he's basically perfect for the club right now, to be honest, mate, because he's, he's, he's an excellent attacker, first mm-hmm. and foremost. I think testament to that is I'm, I'm always impressed when players who rely on pace throughout their career lose that pace and then adapt to maintain a, a, a solid attacking rate. And he seems to be doing that. He's not slow by any means, but he's, he's not like prime Aubameyang yeah. speed. It's, of course he's not. Sure. But he's adapted really well. I think he fits within the system really nicely. And actually, I think it's vital for Chelsea to have senior players. And actually, I don't think there are, there are too many senior heads in this Chelsea team um, that can be as influential as Aubameyang. Secondly, I think um, his age is not a preventative in Broyer's development. I think it's a positive and helpful because they can share minutes and embed within the team at sort of similar paces, albeit Aubameyang is, is clearly a more distinguished striker right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there will ever be a point where the sentiment for Aubameyang hinders Broya too, which I think is really helpful, yeah. uh, unless Aubameyang has a Giroud-esque Chelsea career, which, you know, I, I think it, respect- I think
0: it's unlikely. Let, let's put yeah, it. I find that unlikely. Yeah,
1: so I think it works for Broya. I think it works for the team right now, um, being able to sort of play on the left and through the middle is nice when Chelsea attack a bit more fluidly, although fluid attack is one of those sort of weird, weirdly cringy footballing buzzwords now. Mm-hmm. Um, or fluid lineup, fluid front line, those kind of things. Okay. Uh, he does, he does work in there, um, and I think it's helpful for the players in and around him to have a player of that quality. So, for example, his his goal against Milan. Um, you could, if you were being very molecular, argue that Sterling should have preempted a pass quicker because he's sort of chasing for it. But Aubameyang there to finish. And when you do stuff like that and you find consistency in it, it allows other players to have the confidence to maybe put a, put a ball into the box with slightly more pace because you trust that he's going to be on the end to get there. And that's really helpful. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Aubameyang at Chelsea overall. Mm. Um, and the more goals he scores, it's, it's kind kind of funny for the Chelsea-Arsenal rivalry as well.
0: Yeah, no, de- definitely agreed. I feel like I feel like at the moment Chelsea have got the better part of the Aubameyang-Alonso bizarre swap deal that took place in the summer. Shout out to Aubameyang, by the way, for being uh, uh beating on Milan sides twice in you know a week. Yeah. Um, un- unlike uh, Marcus Alonso, unfortunately. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure Barcelona will enjoy the Europa League. It's a chance for Lewandowski to score in another competition. But yeah, again, for the for, for the rest of um... that game, I don't think we really needed to worry too much at two 0 Uh, Obviously, that's 10 men. Chelsea had a few half chances. There were a few half chances. But now we can look on to the next games. I mean, Salzburg, uh, not next week, but the week after. If Chelsea win that, they know that they uh, top the group with a game to spare. That would be quite a nice outcome, considering where we were on the end of match day two, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, and with all due respect... Chelsea, it will be an absolute stinker if Chelsea don't win that. I respect Salzburg's football immensely. And I think they, as a team, are one of the most influential teams in the in world football at the moment. Mm. But I always think this with Chelsea sometimes is like. Uh, we as fans know that Chelsea's path to success is always treacherous and chaotic. And for once, I just want to have the confidence in the fact that we'll go there and win and it'll be fine. So in my head, (laughs) we're going to go there, win, and it's going to be completely fine. And the ills of the start will be forgotten and Graham Potter will get us into the knockout stages um, so we can all laugh at Barcelona even more. That's how I think it's going to go. I have confidence in the team. I have confidence in the manager. Let's just go there and get the job done because you can't spend money like Chelsea do and not go to Salzburg and get a result with all due respect.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And even if we, you know, even if Chelsea did draw in Salzburg, I think I'm right in saying that if Chelsea, uh, if Milan and Kiev drew, I think, uh, no, Zagreb, sorry, did draw, that I think also puts Chelsea through, certainly. Although I don't know, I think technically, no, I think I may even put us through again top um, of the group, although it depends on what Salzburg do on the final match day, I think. Um, mm. But moving swiftly on, it's got to that point now where before we preview the weekend fixture, We've got the quiz. Oh. So the rules for the quiz. Got a minute and a half. Got to get as many right as possible. You get points on how much time is left over and how many you get right. There are oh, penalty points for incorrect answers, so you can't just go through and pass everything. Wait, say that again. There are penalty points for incorrect... for, oh. you know, for just deliberately getting things wrong. So if you just pass everything, you can't just pass okay, five fine. questions. But I've got the timer already. <laughs> the other nerves. The, the nerves he, uh, you know you, you can't bottle it you can't bottle it um, okay. are, you, are you ready are you ready yes all right three two one what club did Chelsea sign Michael Essien from
1: oh my days um,
0: um, oh my god I actually don't know by Leverkusen no it was Olympic on Question two. How many combined Premier League goals and assists did Didier Drogba register in 2009-2010? 36. Close, but no cigar. It was 42. Oh. Question three. Who did Petacek make his final professional appearance in football against? Think carefully, oh. One. Um.
1: Oh, wow, mate. I'm going to...
0: Oh, is it... Chelsea? Yes, in the Europa League final.
1: Yeah, there you go. Okay, I cool.
0: thought they might catch you out. Question cool. four Where did Diego Costa score his first pre- Chelsea goal in the Premier League? Burnley. Yeah, what What stadium? Oh, Turfmore. There we go. Yeah, that's two. And finally, what number did Khaled Boularou's first wear at Chelsea Football Club?
1: Oh my God. I, oh my God. I want to say like 18.
0: Is that your final answer? Yeah. It was half of that. It was nine. So oh, you got... Bro, I was actually going to say eight for a minute and I was
1: like, surely not.
0: I mean, if he'd have won eight, he'd have took Frank Lampard's. So that. Yeah, that's what made
1: me go for 18. <laughs> oh,
0: so the, you had stress, ten, the you had...
1: listeners, The listeners, you don't
0: understand.
1: I know Rob so well that the stress put on this, I'm honest, I feel like I'm under the spotlight. Uh, the, 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 I, all I needed was the
0: Who Wants to Be a Millionaire music just going in the background. Oh. How many did Adam get? So, Adam got three right with oh! seconds left.
1: <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, he's he's, a, he's the senior Chelsea correspondent, so he should get those things right. But I'm fuming.
0: Nice. No, no, so, what I'm hearing you, you've called Adam old. Uh, we've, we've got that far. You've called Adam old. You currently sit in third in the leaderboard. Oh, that's you are above Ellie and uh, Sam, CFC Central.
1: Do you know what? I love Ellie, but her Chelsea quiz
0: knowledge is terrible. <laughs> Ellie, you're getting called out. I mean, I feel like Sorry, I feel, Ellie, like, that, no, I love I feel like now I have to get both of you on for a quiz off. I feel like that's a that's a cool. That yeah, nice. All right. Well, I'm sure we can make that happen. But moving back to, I'm sure what you would much prefer to discuss rather than being quizzed on your Chelsea knowledge. Let's look at the next game for Chelsea. The next two games, in fact, are for once. We have two games in the Premier League. We have Sunday at Villa Park, which I'm actually really, really excited for, partly because I'm going, but also because I think it will be, again, it's a weird situation in football where Chelsea have suddenly gone from being on a losing run to suddenly having a chance to make it five wins in a row, um, which is such a strange situation, six games unbeaten. And then also the midweek match against Brentford, and we know that although they've struggled a little bit, in the early part of the season at times, obviously had a difficult game against Newcastle last weekend. Brentford are the sort of side that aren't going to give you any quarter, especially at home. They, you know, are so, so strong um, at uh, the Brentford Community Stadium. And Uh you know that they're going to, you know, it's going to be a good game of football because they aren't just going to come and park the bus. So let's look at Villa first and foremost. Um, Your Mm. expectations overall from the game?
1: I, I don't expect to concede and would like to win comfortably. They are my expectations. I, honestly, I'm going to sound really obstinate across both of these. I, I, I think Brent, Brentford are better than Villa currently. Um, Villa have been arguably the biggest disappointment of the season outside of Leicester. Um, I don't think they look particularly dangerous, albeit they have individual quality. What I do think is actually managers such as Steven Gerrard and Thomas Frank too, they will not think that Graham Potter makes... They will only realise that Graham Potter makes Chelsea better. That the, the, they will understand the strength that Graham Potter has because he has taken Brighton to the top four in the Premier League and has turned that whole club around and they're amazing. He's come into Chelsea and everything's clicked again. Mm. Villa and Brentford are going to be so concerned because it feels like there's not a circus at Chelsea now. And when that happens, Chelsea tend to win a lot. When the mm. circus dies down for a bit, Chelsea do really well. It always comes back. Yeah. But... I expect to win comfortably. In all honesty, I expect to dominate possession. Um, I think Potter is going to build on what he's doing. Hopefully, the the lineup is is what we what we want to see, which is which is strength. But rotation is is obviously key. And and yeah, man, I hope I hope Villa for you is a is a great day out, and I hope Chelsea can get two or three.
0: Yeah, no, I, I certainly am very keen to see the us play live under Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it'll be really interesting. To there are certain things you see as I'm sure you'll know, when you see games live that you don't see on TV, just due yeah. to the nature of, you know, being an actual stadium. Obviously, it looks like Chelsea will be without Rhys James for the game, possibly also for Brentford. Against Villa, I think that, you know, is a little, that's a real sort of, you know, shame because Villa have had uh, a lot of injuries at the moment in the fullback position. Um, and they have a lot of injuries across the entire defence. And it's the sort of team that Rhys James could really do a lot of damage against. Then again, he could against, you know, any side nowadays.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm obviously gutted. I low key think he's the uh the best player in the world. <laughs> so um I'm obviously gutted to not have him in. But in fairness, I think um I think the team and the squad is good enough and has the momentum with it for Aspe to play and albeit he's not Reese, um, I think he could be really he's gonna be completely fine. So if Azpi mm-hmm. plays, I'm not overly worried. I completely trust uh, Trevor Chalbert to sort of step in and fill that void. Um, Reese and Fafana can hang out on the uh, on the injury tables because they're good friends and ultimately again I'm feeling confident at the moment man you've got to trust the the strength and depth like again for, for Brentford players, for Aston Villa players with all due respect you know Cesar Azpilicueta is a legend gracing that pitch they are not going to think anything other than there is a man who's won everything and has been here consistently and if they don't think that that's even more foolish mm. because he's still quality in yeah. you know in the grand scheme of things, and what he means and what he does, and and clearly having him on the pitch benefits Chelsea in ways you know that when Reese is on it doesn't because he has a he has a sort of karmic element to him. Whereas Reese, you give the ball and he's just going to destroy everyone, which is better. But Asby has strengths too that Reese doesn't have, and that's completely fair. Um So that's that's fine. It's it's a shame because you want the best players in the world to play all the time because that's the, that's the whole. Thing about them, you get to watch such rare talent. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm okay with with Aspie playing there. Here, here's when Potter starts doing a two show and puts Zesh there or something crazy.
0: <laughs> mm. Oh, I mean, to be honest, you know At the end of the day, I'm willing to give every player a chance. It'd be it'd be interesting yeah. actually to know who. What would you be your preferred lineup for Sunday? Oh
1: God! Um, should we agree on a formation?
0: Well, let, let, let's assume we're probably gonna. I think we're more likely to go back to the four at the back against um, Aston Villa. I think we're more likely to go to that four three three that we had against Wolves because I think we'll more likely expect to dominate the game and sort of you know not need yeah. to play on sort of counter. We might go for the three um, at the back for the three at the back. I mean, last week we effectively had uh, situations where Asp was so high up the pitch even when it was you know meant to be a four, it actually turned into a three, and you had Kukurea, um pushed so high up the pitch, you know, effectively they became de facto wingers. Um, but I think, you know, I think let's probably go assume it's going to be the four-three-three with the sort of two eights in the midfield. Oh,
1: that's so hard. Um, okay, so Kepa in goal, uh, which we've not even spoken about, but Kepa in goal. Um, Aspi right back, uh, Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, Chilwell, albeit is a really... Nice player to watch, which is sometimes why I want us to play three at the back so we can get to see him a little bit more. Um, midfield three, I think it should be Kovacic. People are going to hate me. Kovacic, Gallagher-Mount. Mm. Oh, does that does that stink? I don't know. Because that's harsh on Loftus too. Uh, and Jorginho, in fairness. Um, but I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. That's what I'd like to see. Especially because it's just fun. It's just kind of busy. Probably it might not also- be perfectly balanced.
0: What we're saying—the energy in the Villa midfield—they're going to have McGinn, they're going to have Douglas Luiz, um, they've got players in there that you know are going to put the hard running in, and you're going to you know want to try and counter that.
1: Yeah, and Kovacic is a is a is a massive problem for any team, so get Kovacic in, and then I would have Sterling on the left, ah, oh, a Bamayang through the middle, and play Broyer against Brentford, and then. Actually, I'll put Mount on the right and i put Kai. <laughs> I'm going to play. Oh my goodness. I'm going to play Ruben Gallagher Kovacic, put Mount on the right of Aubameyang, Sterling.
0: Okay. So no Pulisic, no Havertz, despite them both scoring last weekend.
1: Yeah, no, 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 no.
0: Interesting. No, 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 no. Fair enough. I, I, I can Mate, If you've got I, the Sterling, he's the best
1: winger. Sterling's the best winger, and Havertz has been great but inconsistent, and Aubameyang is a better striker than Havertz. Yeah. I like Havertz to 10. I really do. I don't think we'll, we'll get to see that, though. So I'm trying to be slightly realistic. I, it's hard, isn't it? It's, hard. Mm. it's a hard one.
0: But personally, I, I would probably start Pulisic off the left, I think. I would give him a start just because he's played. I, I would start him in this game because I think Sterling is going to be more effective against Brentford because yeah, on Brentford, right. I think there's going to be less sort of space to operate in, whereas Villa tend to pack their fullbacks backs in. Um, and mm-hmm. tend to drop in when they're defending, which is more sort of the space that Pulisic can operate in and do better in. But I think it's difficult. But I have to ask score prediction scorers.
1: Okay, score prediction versus Aston Villa. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be 3-1. Um, I think you'll get a, <laughs> a Bamian goal, a Azpilicueta assist. I'm just going to throw that out there. And a Mace, I think Mace will actually score against Villa. Uh, and then the third goal will probably come. Uh, actually, I think Gallagher might get one too. So there's that. But I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Chilwell gets one. Um, yeah, three one joint scores for the Brentford game.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: I think that would be two one, but I don't know. I don't know who's gonna who's gonna get the goals. I'd have to be judged after this game. But I think we'll win two one.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I like that, and that will put us in a good stead going into next weekend's showdown with Manchester United which will be a, a fun, fun game. But that's that about is. all we've got time for. I, I'm sure everyone listening will probably already follow you. Um, if they don't, you know, where have you been living under a rock? Not being, you know, missing out on the social influence of Jay in the last couple of years. But for those that don't, do you want to let people know where they can follow you and also where they can find your projects.
1: Yeah, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, J underscore Macintosh JAI. Uh, if you have any queries about my opinions, I have a second account. It's at son of Chelsea. So any sort of drama, uh, DM me. I'll make sure to reply. And yeah, just catch me there. Oh, and also, can we end? I know this is. Uh, I've been joking around, but I don't know if we can talk about this. But is it? Have you seen the Emma Hayes news? Yeah, about-
0: yeah. I, I was look- going to bring it up in my final plenary, but. Take it away, my Go friend. for it. No, no, go
1: for it. Go for it. You take it away.
0: I, I mean, I was going to say, firstly, I think it's very important that Emma Hayes has shone light on a, you know, very traumatic experience. Mm. Um, endometriosis is a very stressful condition for anyone. It is, you know, is not easy to manage. It is ongoing. For the stress of football manager, it must be incredibly difficult. I think it's, you know, worth saying that everyone here, uh, everyone I know will be, wishing the absolute best for her and in Hayes' own statement, you can see that this was a tough decision to make, but I'm sure we will welcome her back to, you know, Kings Meadow and also to Southbridge as soon as possible, as soon as right for her. And in the meantime, I have full faith in Denise Reddy and Paul Green. Green. So, yeah, I, you know, just look forward to the time when Emma is back. I'm sure she will be absolutely bellowing at the telly um, when she's watching games. And yeah, it's just, you know, obviously, Good to hear the club are supporting her. They should be. And great for her to be so honest and open about it.
1: Yeah, agreed. Can only echo what you said, mate.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, I think we also... We'll finish up there. But yeah, Chelsea are next in action and we'll have another episode next week looking at both Chelsea's matches against Aston Villa and also the game against Brentford. And also looking at Chelsea women's matches against Everton away on Sunday and also the big one the game away against PSG in the Champions League but until then I've been Rob Prattley. this has been Believe in Chelsea thank you very much for listening and have a great day